Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey, bro. How you doing, man? Um... We are out of the month of October, and I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. Doing a lot, yeah, well, a lot better <laughs> than we were in the month of October. Holy moly, dude. Oh, it was bad. I mean, honestly, October is my favorite month of the year. Now, I know we recorded last Monday, and that was November 1st, but like, we are fully out of the month of October. Yeah. Because we last last November 1st, excuse me, last week, Monday, we were talking about an Ohio State loss. And we were being pretty upbeat about it, you know. Um, but we're coming off of a, of a, of a Maryland victory and against yeah, a team first that, win that beat us last year pretty good. Yeah. First win in a long time for Penn month. State football. It's been between the bye bye week and the three straight losses. It's been quite a drought. So um, total, total you know, reversal from last season when we opened zero and five and then went you know on a four zero run to close the season. Here we started five and zero and yeah. went on a three game skid before we corrected um, and our errors and, and figured some things out against Maryland, but not totally. Yeah, um, yeah, there, <laughs> there are going to be some things to talk about with that. But yeah. um, before we get into that, I just wanted to point out that um, this is a week that we also celebrate veterans with Veterans Day coming up on Thursday. And um, I don't know how many of our listeners know uh, that uh, my brother Tom is a veteran. In fact, I'm I'm looking at him here on the on the uh, squad cast, and I see his uh, his, his tattoos from his. Military days, yeah. Started getting them um, when I was in the Marine Corps, as we that's do. That's right. Um, so, um, yeah, I wanted to wish you, bro, a happy Veterans Day uh, a few days early. And, thanks, Andy. Uh, yeah, thanks for your service. Anything you want to tell uh, tell the Blue and White Brothers crew about uh, about your time in the Marines? Um, well, to me, it's uh, <laughs> I don't talk talk about my service a lot with a lot of people uh, I'm certainly not like you know shy that about the fact that I have served but it's really like I, I have no problem like talking about it I have no you know I'm not really dist- I don't have a, like distress from any of my time in service and and to be clear I was in a a combat military occupational specialty, which means I was I was in the infantry. Uh, I, I was in an infantry squad um, for uh, a tour in Iraq, and then I was uh, in a scout sniper team for a second tour in Iraq. And yeah, when I um, when I talk to folks about your service and they they ask about it, I say yeah, he was in the the surge in Iraq, which a lot of people remember. Uh, you went to Al Anbar province for your first tour, is that right? Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Al Anbar, uh, all up and down the Euphrates River. Um, I've you know, operated in my sniper team all over the country. Um, you know, being that we were uh, de- de- uh, tasked out by um, not just a a, uh, a company or a platoon, but also by the uh, battalion as well. So we were performing battalion uh, level ops w- within my sniper team, and so I, f- I was everywhere from like the Syrian border all the way down near uh, you know Fallujah and Ramadi, and um, all around like Tartar, and uh, you, you know got got close to Baghdad in some cases as well um and again all up and down the the euphrates river uh just 
there's a, quite a bit going on throughout that whole region there too. So, um, and, and it kind of, I just last last week's episode, I, I actually, if you any you remember, I was uh, giving that um, from location in Las Vegas because I was with a good buddy of mine who was a machine gun squad leader attached to my um, attached to my infantry squad on my first tour. And that dude's name is Adam Bouts, and he—he's—he's he's the man. He—he he actually got in a couple years before me, so he was r- technically one of my uh, what we call senior Marines. So like, you know, if you, you know, anyone who's below you, they're the underclassmen kind of kind of thing, and you're like helping bring them along because you know they've done a tour and you haven't uh, when you get in. And so that was me on my first tour. Was this guy was just above me in that class, and so I, I'm supposed to be like, you know, given, you know, all my respect and you know allegiance to the. <laughs> older guys but in fact i was the older person because i was a (laughs) little older when i joined so it's kind of interesting dynamic but he was one of the few dudes who like didn't you know kind of fully abuse that that seniority like kind of dynamic and and just make life a living hell for 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 me uh we got along real great and i remember one story and uh specifically was we was in like month seven of my first tour and and we were spent the majority almost all six months of my first tour to to that date um at this place in in um the Ambar province uh called uh what was it it was uh oh I, i'm actually struggling to remember the, the exact name of where we were but um we were up up the the Euphrates River near a place called uh, the Haditha Dam, and um, oh, it's uh, uh, Al Buhayat. That's what it was called. And so, but but for the last month, we, they started like transitioning my. Uh, platoon and company out of where we were and kind of tasked all these squads to different places where they needed extra bodies um, all across the the province and so they sent me my squad and my, and all of our attachments including the machine gun attachment which this guy was the squad leader for um, we went to this place called uh, Zukeka and we Zukeka. had Zukeka. nice and we they had have lots of good keka and Zukeka. They, they had no keka there was no cake <laughs> <laughs> um but but we were we were there with some like combat engineers um that we like really didn't work with or even for we were just kind of like t- stationed there and like ran our own like patrols out of that area where they were tasked with doing all these other things from like a, a battalion or even um, regiment level kind of ops and we were doing these like more local ops that and we had no one giving us orders above us that were on site with us it was just our our platoon com- our platoon um, sergeant Staff Sergeant Cleave, and then my squad leader, and then uh, like 14 other Marines. And it was just like, we were kind of like on our own and able to kind of like do, do kind of what we wanted more so rather than, than like the company first sergeant and the company commander and the company XO just like breathing down your neck at all times. You know, you're always walking around in eggshells when you're around those types of (laughs) authority members. Um, But we were able to like kind of cut loose a little bit more. And I, I, we had like one room in this, um, in this building that was like an old, you know, like uh, abandoned uh, Iraqi building. I don't even know what it was supposed to be before, but we had, we had one room where it was like, Oh, here are all your cots. You can sleep in this room all like you know 18 of you marines or 15 of you marines however many there were i kind of forget and then the staff sergeant cleave had his own room but then there was like the 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 comp there was the um 
the radio room. And then off the radio room had there was this little like crappy like kind of like clo- like big closet type situation. I'm not saying it was a closet because really what it was was there was human feces everywhere. <laughs> I, oh man! I, no one had ever cleaned it up. It was just there. So they just like kind of hung a tarp over the doorway and forgot about it. And there's no electricity in there, nothing. And and I was like, Staff Sergeant Cleve, I was like, if I clean that room up. Can I have it? And he's like, Yeah, I don't give a. He's like, I don't care. I was like, He's like, We were able to order like plywood and four by fours and like all this wood to like be delivered to, um, like you know, as like you know, mission essential gear. And and oh I gosh. built, I cleaned it out, and like the whole room was rubble on the floor, like literally, like just just rubble. And then the walls were like bare, like uh, um, uh, rock and like mud, essentially. Like it was a true like. You know, like dingy, you know, there was like just it was just a mess. And and I literally built a room there out of plywood, two by fours and and whatever. I even I built my own desk. I built my own like bed. I it was incredible. And there was no I, I ran electricity to it and I had all these fans in there. I had my laptop in there. Oh my god. And I, <laughs> I had like rigged this room out to be like a like a just like a, a you know, a luxury suite, if you will, essentially. And everyone oh my else gosh. Everyone else is like, man, I wish we had thought of this, including my staff sergeant, who's like, this room's even better than my room. Like, he's like, I'm gonna need to take confiscate this room from you, which he didn't, because you know, obviously, I put a lot of hard, hard effort into it. But my buddy, who I just was with in Vegas, Adam Bouts, he he would come in, and we would just when we weren't like on patrol or whatever, he would come in, and we would lay there and watch like seasons of of whatever shows I, I had access to via whatever hard drive I had plugged into my computer, and. He specifically remembers watching Smallville with me, which I, oh my gosh. I literally hated it, and he loved it. But it, because he was like one of my senior Marines, and we were like buddies and stuff, I like let him watch Smallville on my <laughs> laptop, and was forced to watch it with him. It was it's kind of funny. But uh, some of the some of the memories I have from my time in service that I you know I don't really talk about, and it's again not because I can't talk about it, but because you don't really find a, a whole lot of opportunities to, unless you're hanging out with those dudes who you had those memories with, and it's yeah I. I I keep in touch with those guys as as much as I can, and even though it's been, gosh, now it's twenty what twenty twenty one now, and yeah, I, I last my last tour was in two thousand nine, so we're it's been a, it's been a while. I've, I'm I'm oh, going to wow. be forty yeah, wow. years old in a year and a half or something like that. So it's well, been a minute. I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, and you know, of course, I remember uh, mom, and and uh, you know, mom was really worried for you. You know, um, I. Like I had my own stuff going on, you know, two young kids and things yeah, like that. So, we, you know, we you know worried for you, and you know, we knew you're going to a combat zone, but you weren't thinking about you all the day. But meanwhile, mom is, you know, she she really was was hard for her to kind of get herself in a mindset where she just wasn't really worried about you every every moment moment of the day and it just makes me think about you know well, not it's only better, the, it's better than what I would have been doing prior to marine no Corps. doubt well yeah. and like you know I, I I know a lot of people have different experiences in the military and and some of those are, are really difficult but I, you know I think for you it was a, a crucible that helped really shape you in a positive way from what yeah, I, I mean from you know, my perspective anyway. I give I give the Marine Corps um, every ounce of credit for giving me the opportunities, skill sets, confidence, um, you know, pride in in myself and what I what I'm doing. I give I give all credit to the Marine Corps for kind of giving me giving me that path and and, and giving me that that jumping point, um, that springboard, if you will, to 
carry me into the rest of my life because everything since then is kind of just everything before the Marine Corps was kind of just not going in the right direction in my life and everything after the Marine Corps has kind of just all been like snowballing into the right direction and it's just been kind of a you know without I mean I've been working hard um, on, on creating the life that I live now but it's that was the the true catalyst I feel like you know it allowed me to be yeah. financially stable uh, and it gave me um, you know the ability to have discipline um, within my own life and, and, and I'm grateful for it and I've certainly met some of the greatest um, guys and some of the greatest uh, relationships I've had and some of the best learning moments I've had uh, within my time in service. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a real sacrifice. Um, you know, so, so many make that sacrifice. Um, it, you know, because of how the military is professionalized the way it is, we don't often think about uh, the, the level of that sacrifice, uh, you know, and it's not just those who serve, but their families. I was just saying, mom, dude, it's it was a, a, you know, big sacrifice for her. It's a 24 hour a day job, dude. It's a 365 yeah. day a year job. And if you don't fully give yourself to those hours and days and and to that service, particularly in the infantry. Like, I, I can't speak outside of, you know, the Marine Corps, and I can't speak outside of the infantry because that's all I've known. But, like, when it comes to those two things, infantry and the Marine Corps, if you don't give your all there, you are you're not only it's not going to be fun for you it's also going to put other people in danger so so i you know i i put i gave i put all my marbles in i put all my chips in uh, on on that when i when i joined and um it was probably the first thing that i really gave all of myself to mm, at that mm, to that point in my life and i was able to, i was able to recognize that if i did stuff like that if i if i actually put forth that full effort which i kind of never had prior to that uh i would kind of like you know uh, um, just, I would, would, you know, what do they say? Half asset. <laughs> I don't have a better <laughs> word for it. Apologies yeah. <laughs> to everybody out there. Um, but, but that's what I was doing prior to that. I was kind of just getting by on doing the bare minimum and, and in the Marine Corps, you can't, in the infantry, you can't get by on doing the bare minimum, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, national security <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, you know, keeping other Being people in beside combat, you. That's the kind of thing yeah. that will get you, get you killed, and, right? And that's I, and I was, I was in, 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 you know, direct combat, uh, quite a bit and I have my combat action ribbon and i've i've um you know received you know um accommodations for um uh my you know some of my actions in in combat as well so it's uh it's uh it's it was a big a big deal for me at that time to be doing all those doing all those things and and serving our country and i i sometimes i i miss it but mo i more just miss being around all the all the guys that i was with more than anything because like yeah if you if you ever think like oh my my you know like if you were in a sport if you were in a sport like actually this is a great uh correlation yeah these guys yeah. you know uh they'll be playing um uh, they're these seniors at penn state will be playing their last uh home game here in a couple of weeks i think against is it is it are we playing Rutgers at home? Rutgers are our final. It's our final home game this season. When when those guys are walking out on to that field for their Rutgers game, that's the last time they'll be able to be with those guys like that. And and maybe you're not maybe you don't miss going to class or, or whatever, but you'll miss being on that field with those guys and you'll have memories like that for the rest of your life, but you'll never get that back. Like you after that it's like that was the time you had, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, um, 
listen, man, thank you so much for your service, uh, you know, to our country. Thank you for um, for you, for your uh, sharing a little bit of that with us. Uh, to all the veterans out there, uh, families of veterans, uh, thank you for your service and your sacrifice uh, coming from the Blue and White Brothers. Um, we're going to take a turn now and uh, get get into college football. And um, here's what we got for you, starting off with news and notes. Uh, we're going to recap that Maryland game, and then we're going to do something we've only done one other time this season, but it felt like the right time. We're going to give you a blue and white breakdown uh, on the heels of that Maryland recap. Uh, got something we want to dig into that's been grinding our gears a little bit, so we're going to do that. Um, and then uh, we've got a couple mailbag entries, and we'll follow that up with the Michigan look ahead. So a lot going on. Um, let's jump right in with our news and notes. News and notes. Actually, a ton going on this past weekend, um, not only in the Big Ten, but all around college football. Um, we're going to start outside the Big Ten, and we'll bring it on home to the Big Ten after that. Um, Alabama, number two in the country, uh, they suffered that loss to Texas A&M a few weeks ago, and uh, it looked like they were about to lose their second game playing a four-and-four four LSU squad that's got Coach Orgeron on a lame duck tenure, and LSU was a, a game-winning drive away from actually pulling off the win, but they just couldn't get the drive together. Alabama's defense shut them down. Um, Alabama escapes uh, with a twenty to fourteen win over LSU. Man, I was I was hoping for an upset there, but it didn't happen. Yeah. So uh, interestingly enough. When it comes to uh, that game, uh, there's an interesting statistic out there that that uh, you know in history in Alabama they have never, well, not never they, they I think they had like six net rushing yards in that game, six oh, net right. rushing yards, crazy so I think the, low number. I think the rushing. last yeah that's one I don't I don't know when what the, if that was the worst in big uh, in Nick Saban's history it probably is up there if not is his worst output uh, rushing. But um, the I think the last time they had that kind of an output rushing was against Penn State in 1990. They had like I think they had some like nine net rushing yards and, and Penn wow. State. It may have been a little bit more. We than ended that. up winning that game too, we, didn't we? We won. It was in Tuscaloosa. Uh, it was against the Gene Stallings. Now, um, if if anybody was, you know was a fan of Penn State football back in 1990. That was not a good year for either Alabama or Penn State. There was no national title implications. In fact, I'm pretty sure that both teams were not even ranked. But but yeah, we won that game nine nothing on three Craig Fayak field goals. So a fun little fact. Ooh, those but, are but the, yeah, the good old days. <laughs> we really we really wanted uh, you know just for the sake of 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 uh, th- this being a, the kind of year where like all these top fifteen, top ten, top five upsets are happening all year long, um, especially to an un- these unranked foes. You know, Penn State is obviously a victim of being a top ten team losing to an unranked team. You know, yeah. Alabama being a team that was uh, upset by unranked Texas A and M. So it would have been great to see LSU pull that upset off, uh, especially with that. That lame duck, you know, and you get yeah. fired, and then you know, right after and then you, beat you go beat Florida. Alabama. Well, no, you beat Florida, and you're fired right. literally the next day, and then you go and beat so Nick weird. Saban after being fired. Like that's so good. Good for yeah. Ed Orgeron to give him heck, uh, and and you know, good try <laughs> for those LSU um, Bengal Bayou Tigers giving it their best shot yeah. against Nick Saban and, and a 
pretty darn good. Like, you know, maybe, you know, they gave them what the, the committee gave them a, a number two ranking. Didn't look like it. Didn't look like it. No, sure didn't. Um, now, the committee, uh, speaking of rankings, uh, number six Cincinnati, disrespected with a with a number six ranking, uh, maybe proved the point of the committee by struggling to put away Tulsa. They had check this out. They had to turn away Tulsa from the one on three straight plays at the end. Um, it was a it was a crazy. So they were effect. a play away from needing a from from needing a two point conversion to tie it up. By the way, correct. So, so Tulsa drove it down uh, to within the five uh, with one fifteen to play. They turn it over on downs, and then on the very next play, um, there the court, Cincinnati's quarterback um, Ritter fumbled the snap, recovered by Tulsa at the three, and then they basically do a goal line stand. Um, first play on first down, they they run it to the one, and then three straight plays, Cincinnati stomps them on the one. Um, Tulsa fumbles it into the end zone on fourth down and um cincinnati uh takes a knee at the 20 to, to end the game so um yeah cra- crazy game they they cincinnati snuck away with a win uh, 20 to 28 um but uh it'll be interesting to see how the ranking goes this is monday so of course the cfp rankings aren't going to come out until tomorrow but um will we be on go, that go, ranking i wonder yeah we'll see um, Go, going uh, forward, a uh, number nine Wake Forest lost a barn burner to North Carolina, fifty-eight to fifty-five. Um, looked like they were pulling away in the uh, third quarter, and then uh, North Carolina came storming back. Uh, Sam Hartman even. versus Sam Howell, two possible Heisman Trophy candidates. Uh, yep. It was it was a battle between those two for sure, and, and Sam Howell of UNC came out on top in that one. Another upset, number 12, Baylor lost unranked TCU, who just fired their coach. Um, yeah. They lost 28 to 30. Um, number 13 versus number 14, Auburn versus Texas A&M, uh, a battle Bo for Knicks. the f- oh. future of the SEC West. West and yeah, Bo Nix. Uh, he nixed no it. He nixed Nix. himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 20 to 3, uh, Auburn only getting a field goal in that one um, wasn't really close not um, a special performance for uh, brian harson's no. uh tigers in that game no it looks like and it I mean, they even, were a, sorry, they were a dark ahead. horse i mean they were a dark horse you know yeah to come in yeah. and and win the sec potentially and and maybe be the first two lost team in the cfp and, but and, you know if, if couldn't we put it together <laughs> if we hadn't lost iowa if we hadn't lost to illinois i would care more if auburn you know pulled this one off you know but but the, i mean even if we had uh just beaten illinois i might care more but the fact that we have lost three in a row and the fact that we lost to illinois especially kind of negates yeah. looking at penn state's resume that that totally like, you know just looking at auburn as like a resume booster it's not really doing nope, us doesn't matter that much with three losses when it comes to the committee's rankings for us however yeah. we'll see we'll see the way the rest of this season ends up for penn state I if mean, they can pull off some miracles and get some help along the way we'll see <laughs> yeah right um arkansas unranked uh arkansas beat newly ranked number 17 mississippi state 31 to 28 um, and then uh, number 18, Kentucky, who we've been keeping an eye on uh, because of Will Levis. Uh, they could not hold on against cross-border rival Tennessee, who was unranked at the time. They lost 42-45. to 45. Uh, hey, Levis fun, had a kind of a... F- he, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he had an up-and-down kind of game. Um, he had a 24-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to bring him to within three, which kind of helped make up for giving up a pick six previously in the game. And then uh, Kentucky had a chance... Um, 
to tie it. They missed on a field goal, and then Levis uh, at the end of the game drives the ball, um, go, you know, gets a good drive going, uh, takes it to the Tennessee thirty-eight. Um, it would have been a fifty-five-yard field goal. I guess they don't have the kicker for that. Um, they couldn't get it in the field goal range. Turned it over on downs, and and that was it. Tennessee won. So, fun little fact about Will Levis that I just uh, found out this morning looking up um, yeah. some, uh, some recruiting class stuff from, from that recruiting class year uh, related yeah. to John, ha- John Dotson, which I'll, we'll get into a little bit later. But Will Levis was actually the second-to-last ranked recruit in that top-ranked recruiting class that had Micah Parsons and Justin Shorter and Ricky Slade and Pratt Fryermuth and you know all those guys. So, so it's interesting to see how far you know he's come just as a you know from a re- three-star quarterback recruit that really wasn't getting much love at all uh and and he he's i mean he's having a pretty darn good year with kentucky you know i i think he made the right call for himself to to go on and show some show some of his talents a little bit more um would have loved to have had him on our team but i'm I'm happy for him even though they, they didn't get the win this year he's he's definitely proving himself to be um you know somewhat of a formidable athlete with them and i, I look to see if he gets some some Taysom hills type love in in the nfl when it comes to the draft or free agency yeah I'm rooting for him so that's for him. that's it for uh for the the ranked teams outside of the college football uh, excuse me outside of the big 10 um but let's let's go into the big 10 where there was a lot going on as well um the biggest news probably of the entire weekend of course was that um number three michigan state was upset by purdue 40 to 29 i think that purdue needs to change their mascot from the boilermakers to the dragon slayers uh, this is their this is their second uh, top three team that they've beat this year, and they're third in the row. By the way, yeah. going back to the 2018 uh, year where they, or maybe 2019 when they beat number three Ohio State, and so, they will they will have another opportunity. They sure coming will. up against. Uh, they have a game against um, Ohio, Ohio State, State this co- week. This week, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into some of those crazy scenarios about if, if Purdue can beat Ohio State and what that means for Penn State later later on. But yeah, yeah. Purdue and, and that game wasn't particularly close. I mean, it was forty to twenty nine. Purdue just, you know, they they scored a lot of Controlled. points, and Michigan State just couldn't couldn't keep up. I mean, the first, I mean, it's just really shocking. I mean, and that's a little bit what they did to Iowa too, by the way, where they just yeah, they, their offense, you know, really went out. You know, scored a lot of points, and and their defense, you know, kind of shut down Iowa. That, that similarly to, to to Michigan State, uh, let them score a lot more points than they let Iowa score. But still, man, it's crazy. It's, it's funny how you know Purdue has the. I'm pretty sure they have the last ranked off or rushing attack in the Big Ten. And as bad as ours is, are they worse they, than us? They're worse than us. <laughs> They are Crazy. literally. I, I'm telling you. I here, I'm, I have I have the stats. How is right that here. even possible? The, the, you want to know? Okay, okay, so and I'll get into our our statistics a little bit when we go do the Michigan breakdown. Or, yeah, Michigan breakdown. But we are 12th ranked in the conference with 92.3 rushing yards per game. Purdue 60.3, 60.3. Only three rushing touchdowns. Penn State has five rushing touchdowns. So oh, it, it's still sad. It's they like almost comparing... have half of the, but they know what they are. They know what they do. They they yeah, know how true. to play, and their defense is pretty darn solid on top of it. So so I, I'll 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 go down the rabbit hole a little bit later. But kudos to Purdue for doing that, having the yeah, appropriate game plan against these guys, knowing who they are, and playing it 
as playing that their game and playing their playing to their strengths with their game plan. <laughs> yeah. So um, meanwhile, um, number five Ohio State really struggled with Nebraska. Looked for a little bit of time that Scott Frost was going to be able to pull off the upset, and and just couldn't quite get over the hump. Eventually, Ohio State pulled away with another nine point victory. That was the same margin of victory against us. Uh, you might remember uh, twenty six to seventeen. The final score there. Um, Ohio State's having some trouble in the thick of this Big Ten schedule, getting their offense to run quite as smoothly as it did early in the season. It'll be interesting to see whether this is sort of like a, um, you know, a forecast of things to come and like, will they eventually get caught or is this kind of building their strength for eventually taking on a team like, say, Georgia? I don't know, but it, it'll be interesting to see how they Ohio need to State manages these next three games. They need to get the top four first. They, I mean, well, true. They, true. So, I, yeah, I don't, we'll, I, I, I don't, I don't worry that if there's total chaos in the Big Ten and a lot of teams start losing, um, yeah, Big Ten may not get uh, an entrant into the playoff. But if Ohio State finishes with just the one loss and the Big Ten championship game, they'll they'll get in. They'll get Depends in. Depends on that eye test, Andy. We yeah, very very true. I mean, Cincinnati who knows? might close out stronger. Ohio State they might continue <laughs> against, to put up against what kind of competition? You know. I, anyway, it's a little early to be worried about that. And um, I mean, Ohio outside State of some doesn't have real a, significant chaos, it has no bearing on Penn State at all right now. So um, anyway, uh, going on uh, number seven, Michigan did not have any troubles putting away Indiana. It was close for like the first quarter, and then they pulled away twenty nine to seven. Of course, we'll face. Michigan coming up. I, you know, that score looks oddly reminiscent to our score of 24 to nothing. So 29 to 7, 24 nothing. I mean, it seems like we played Indiana similarly, at least on the scoreboard. It'll be interesting to see how we match up. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, just talking about some former opponents now in the Big Ten. Um, our old nemesis, the fighting Brett Bielema's Illinois upset number 20. And Big Twi- Big Ten West leader Minnesota, fourteen to six. They're they're not the Big Ten West leader anymore, at least not alone. Um, and then finally, uh, number twenty one Wisconsin obliterated Rutgers, fifty two to three. Tom, did you know that Wisconsin is on a five game win streak? You would have never. I would have never known. I would have never known at all. Yeah. The- that's the that's the second bit, uh, best streak in the Big Ten, right behind Ohio State. Um, and then finally, number twenty two, Iowa um, snoozed their way through a game with Northwestern, <laughs> managing to hang on to win seventeen to twelve. Yeah, Iowa doing that with their their chain, making a change at quarterback too. I, I don't even remember the guy's names like Papa Diaz or something or Pas- I, I honestly can't isn't remember. that like the new menu item on Papa John's <laughs> yeah, or, or Taco Bell? Papa Diaz. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so here are your standings around the Big Ten. In the East, Ohio State uh, still in lone possession of first, followed by uh, a tie between the two Michigan teams, both at 5-1 and one in the Big Ten. And then sole possession of fourth place are your 3-3 three and three Nittany Lions. Um, so that's the East race shaping up for you. And, you know, look, honestly, Tom, if we win the next three games and we're now that 6-3 and three in the conference, that's that's not too bad a way to, to end and, uh, you know, might, might push up pushes up the the standings maybe into second place even um 
And then in the West, check this out, a four-way tie for first in the Western Division between Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa, who are all at four and two. Wow. <laughs> so it's a topsy turvy, like everything has yep. gone upside down from, from the end of September to the end of October and now beginning of November. Things have changed and shifted from one way to another, and, and it's hard to make sense of it. And, and really, you know, we still don't know where it's going to go because there's still some very critical games being played that'll determine what, you know, what this uh, conference is going to produce for the uh, Big Ten championship game. I mean, these next three weeks, um, you're going to see Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Ohio State. You're going to see Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, so, yeah, a, a ton of really significant games being it'll, played it'll in be the last three weeks. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if anyone can can um, you know make any statements in the Big Ten? Let alone, I mean, in the yeah. in the in the country. I mean, Georgia <laughs> is about true. the only team who's been making statements week in and week out, and 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 backing it up from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So, or to the to this point in the season, um, you know, we just haven't seen anyone really. You know, we're just so used to like uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, um, and Clemson being like undefeated or or just. Having these one one game anomalies where they they lose a close one or just you know have a have a brain fart and don't play a good game, but then they get right back to like you know crushing their opponents. And this is the yeah. first year in like maybe four, five, six years where I can remember where besides one team, it's kind of just like a what's going to happen here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Else yeah, so you know. predictable, and 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 I, and I for one, am happy that it's not predictable because Me too. it makes it, it, makes it that much air. more fun to to uh, week only, in week out. My like, only uh, my only regret is that Penn State hasn't been able to take more advantage of that chaos um, by being part of that chaos um, with with a couple of our losses. But um, in any case, um, that's your news and notes, and um, we're going to now uh, take a turn and talk about that Maryland game uh, as we said, um, you know, got back to our winning ways. It was a thirty-one to fourteen final score. Um, you know, on the scoreboard, you know, that seems like a pretty respectable uh, result. But I got to say, man, throughout the game, it did not feel as good as that final score would indicate for me. It was a stressful game. And, you know, I, you know, I know it's got the, the two of us pretty amped up in terms of, how, you know, there's some energy to talk about it because they've won. And so we don't we're not depressed. But there were enough problems with what we saw that it's like we got to we got to figure this out and, and break this down a little bit. Well, so, you know, I'm realizing something that's ha- been happening to us, to, to me, particularly to you over the last, uh, man, I don't know, since let's go since 2016. Since 2016, since we started, like, getting good again after, like, you know, several years of kind of, an, you know, coming out of the, all the, you know, the, the Joe Paterno and Sandusky fallout and all that kind of stuff, um, we've started to, like, really have higher expectations of this team right yeah. uh, and i think yeah, that absolutely I, I think that um you know we we're so in the in the game we're we're like so hyper like focused on being the having making the best play having the best score having the best team even though like it's almost like unrealistic that it's going to be happening cuz you know even in 2016 and 2017 you know and 18 for that matter or even 2019 you know 
we we haven't you know reached the pinnacle but we're still yeah. we're still looking at this team through this lens of of get of reaching that pinnacle <laughs> yeah well and i think a lot of it is because on paper uh, you know between the the coaching between the schemes between the talent on the roster there's a lot of pieces there to to be dominant particularly sure against sure. opponents like Maryland. Like Illinois. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, yeah, so you're when not wrong. And not, even Iowa. Not only, we should have dominated Iowa in my opinion. Totally. Yeah. Well and that and was we a little were. And we were. Uh, that was a little fluky, right? But like uh you know, so like the close games to Ohio State or Michigan or even Michigan State when they've been good kind of feels like that's understandable. We're still trying to get quote unquote over the hump. But these sort of yeah. like inexplicable um difficult matchups against a team like Maryland or losses to a team like Illinois or a bad Michigan state team a couple of years ago. Those are the ones Twice that feel row. like what the heck is going on? I mean, you expect to be dominant or even like, I mean, Villanova this year, for example, yeah. we did not yeah. really no. We wiped the field so, with those guys. So, you know? so what but, I'm, what I'm trying to say yeah. is we are look, when we are watching these games, we're watching them together separately, but like, you know, commenting te- via text back and forth. And we're just are so frustrated and we just yeah, texting our teeth. frustration so <laughs> much. And it's just like, ah, oh, you just throw your hands up and you like, you just don't understand. And then, you know, all, like maybe within a day or two, the emotions calm down. And here we are on Monday talking about it. Like, and, oh, it yeah. and, well, and thank they won, heaven, So yeah, we don't talk, talk about, about it on Saturday immediately. <laughs> right. Because as a fan, <laughs> totally like, Right. Listen, I listen to like these podcasts where you know I listen to like instant reaction from these like national journalists or national um, pundits or you know it's their job to talk about all these games where they don't have a dog in the fight. That's just their job. But you and I have a dog in the fight here, so like we're supposed to like like what we're, are we gonna are we gonna comment without emotion? But certainly right. don't want to comment with emotion <laughs> on the day yeah. of the actual loss or even in this yeah. case the Maryland frustration win. You know yeah. But like you know, so so here's here's <laughs> what I did. Oh, I totally agree with you, and and it's nice to have someone to share that emotion with because you know, uh, not everyone has someone to share that emotion with at the time. You know, oh, you're watching um, the game alone but, at home, and your kids are like yeah. in the basement trying to stay away because daddy's screaming at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume yeah. that's what your kids are doing. They, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I mean, not, not quite. But I'm but anyway, you know, no, they're they're not quite as engaged as I am. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know, so what, part of what I did with this game is trying to look back at it from a little bit more of an objective standpoint to explain why it felt so frustrating. And I should just look through the drives, and I want to, I want to look at the offense uh, and what the offense did and didn't do. Uh, And just sort of take us through the game on a drive-by-drive basis. So, uh, and here's the thing, like, you know, Clifford, we saw a much better Clifford against Ohio State. And I think part of my expectation was set there. Ah, Clifford's back. But you know what? Although he seemed healthy, he was mobile, but he wasn't very sharp. He was only 57% passing on the day. So there were a lot of incompletions. but yeah, there were a the lot of incompletions, a lot of inaccuracy, passes. and again, the, the the running game. So, um, so so here's what it looked like. First of all, our first two offensive possessions were three and out, mm-hmm. and we had between those two possessions negative eleven yards total. All right, uh, uh, you know, the, on the first, so what, two incompletions on the first the drive, two incompletions on the first drive, and a seven yard loss on a 
on a pass to John Lovett in the first drive. And then the like second when drive he was falling to, down, catching it still totally. And the second drive, uh, two plays, uh, uh, two incompletions and then a rushing play, John Lovett negative four yards. So that's how we started the game. Okay. Then we had a drive four plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that was a 38-yard touchdown to Jahan Dotson, and there was also a 38-yarder to Keandre Lambert-Smith on that drive. <laughs> so it's like, oh, finally, got ourselves out of our funk. But guess what? Next four drives, two punts, one turnover on downs, and one end the half where we had over a minute you know, with the ball to do something, and we like literally decided to do nothing with no. it. Like We intentionally went in. Franklin and, called you know, a by timeout the- to kneel it. To end the half, another head scratcher that he referenced as, well, I needed to give you guys something to talk about, or otherwise you'd have nothing to talk about. And it's like, dude, shut up. We know that you suck at the end of halves, all right? Like, <laughs> I mean, well, you're perennially horrible at it. I, I mean, we could spend 10 minutes on that very, like, sequence, by the way. Uh, so I, I don't want to do that. But we like, could probably have an entire episode dedicated to it if we really wanted to. I bet you, but I just like I don't understand like strategically, you know. Especially you, they actually did get a first down. They got a couple of yards, and why didn't you go for a couple of passes? Why didn't you try to get, get in the field goal, goal range? Stout like, can kick fifty yarders if you really want him to, you know. I mean, I, at least try. I just get the leg for it. I just did not understand the sequence at all. It's like we just we gave up. We said we're content. And by the way, Maryland had also scored a touchdown at this point. They missed the extra point, so we went into halftime with a seven to six score, and I did not feel great about what we were doing all right um especially the way we ended the half yeah it was sour the end of the half was sour i mean oh, very sour like, now, <sighs> now and the thing is maryland was going to get the ball to start the half so they're down by one point we're going to kick the ball off to them they've started to move the ball against us and it's like uh, we're setting ourselves up to go to be down by a touchdown you know by making that decision but in fact what we did is we we held them um, forced them to punt on their first drive, and then we drove 95 yards for a touchdown over 14 plays. Capped it off with a 21-yard touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. Uh, Sean Clifford only threw one incompletion on that drive to seven completions. Uh, there, there were no plays that lost yards. Kevon Lee had a bunch of runs. The longest run of the day, uh, 15 yards, was on that drive. Um it just it's like oh good we're back this offense is so Jekyll and Hyde though you know now, whether- here's what do you remember what happened on the very next drive I do not not offhand no. we so after that opening uh second half touchdown we our defense forced a turnover fumble recovery and yeah they, and they were and they were driving too they were, they were driving the, that was in the red zone yeah and then our offense three and out. Yeah, for yeah, you don't. And then we. So you, then, so you so you 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 don't reward the defense that that was you know they had driven sixty three yards on us the the um, drive prior and then you held onto the ball for three plays and a total of five yards for barely over a minute and then your defense is right back out there which right is, by the way the there. theme of the darn season for our defense totally and so oh, and, and, and by offense. the way. Jordan Stout, who's been phenomenal for us all season, had a couple uh, of bad, punting. Real bad he, had a, he had a bad punting day. He only averaged 35 yards on the day. And this was one of the places that it bit us. Uh, we did not have a good punt there. Gave Maryland a short field. They went back, came back, scored a touchdown and the two point conversion. Now it's 14 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. Not so, great. like, no. All right. So, <laughs> So, uh, from there, uh, 
um, we respond. Uh, Wait, it was 14, on the very 14, next at play, the end of the third quarter, or did they they score? Didn't they score that in the fourth quarter? Well, where, wherever it was, I, I don't have. I think it I think they got those points in in the fourth. I think the start of the fourth quarter. Okay, so uh, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 over halfway through. The and they got a two point conversion point. as well. And they got the two point conversion. Yeah. It's a tie game. Yeah. You know, heading toward the end of the game. Very next play. Okay. Very absolute next play. We get the ball on the twenty five. Sean Clifford drops back and gets sacked for negative eight yards. And like this to me is where. We lose the game. I'm like this. Well, the game. The game yeah. is now. Uh, you know, momentum has shifted, and so then Clifford drops. Yeah, this back is all in the fourth on, quarter. Remind, remind everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in the yeah, yeah. fourth quarter. It's tied, Where we're tied up game. with Maryland. <laughs> it, so it's now second and eighteen, and Clifford drops back for a second straight pass. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not going to go. And then. Jahan Dotson breaks free. He, <laughs> he scores an 86 yard touchdown play of the day. Uh, by far, um, and that puts us up by twenty one, and that's uh, twenty one to fourteen, and that that effectively is the difference. But so a couple of things: one, on that eighty six yard touchdown play, Theo Johnson had an incredible block downfield. The the fact that he was even down that far it sprung you know, him open. Well, Didn't, that's a, it wasn't that's, a block in the back, by the no, way. No, 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 no. He, he you know he avoided no. a, a a bad penalty, but but yeah, sprung him. It was it was, it was a, it was a cl- totally clean block in every in every facet, and and but but perfectly. Jahan Dotson found the per- absolute perfect sliver of a seam w- in between three defenders that oh, gave him tremendous the, route. I mean, the guy it, it has vision. Thing of beauty. He has oh, vision yeah. before the pass in his routes. He has vision and 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 the moves to 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 fake a defender out and get behind him. Uh, the guy is just so fluid. He's not like yeah. he's not chopped. It looked he's like so he was going to be settling in for like a you know like just settling in underneath the zone you know because he was sort of trotting out. And then he just sort of shifted and he's put on the He's deceptively elusive. It, he's deceptively fast. And I mean, within half a second, he was like ten yards away from the next nearest so, defender. So that's one and thing. Credit I wanted, Clifford for for finding him, yeah, 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 yeah. putting it on the money, and give him a chance. So to, I just wanted to, to mention to that the on the play. Great, it was the play of the one of the play, the play of the game on offense to me. Um, yeah. And then the by the way, next very next drive, Penn State had. You know, we're still. <laughs> We're still not up by, by by more than a touchdown here. Another three and out. Well, so here here's where this is this is where the problem is with with the offensive play calling. We don't know how to seize moments on offense with our play calling or even our execution or intensity. Um, but the play calling is not like doing us any favors. Um, or do, not doing Clifford any favors because we're calling these like longer developing pass plays more often than not when when you know <laughs> we're getting sacked at a rate worse than anyone I think in the in the in the uh, conference potentially uh, I might have that those those um, uh, those stats wrong but but Clifford's getting sacked a lot and it's because of these long developing pass plays we these these quicker developing routes and quicker passes is what's working for us and especially when we're stacking those quick passes back to back even back to back to back when we do that hurry up offense I think that's part of our the 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 strength of our team is catching these other teams on, on, you know on their heels like that and we yeah. too often are not going back to those plays and still just thinking we can put Clifford back there in the pocket on these three or five step drops and Clifford you know is not getting there's not enough 
the 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 pass rush is getting to Clifford before the receiver is getting open. You yeah. know, and I mean, it's it's very Jekyll and Hyde. It's very much feast or famine. You yeah. know, and and it goes to show on on our last drive of the day um, that that we had another twelve play seventy four yard drive. We we had to settle for a field goal, but it put us up two scores. And then of course uh, on the very next drive of Maryland, uh, the Jair Brown pick six to put it away, which of course is a play on the day. Uh, play of the day on defense and the pick six we've been looking for basically you know all season, all season. to really kind of kind of put the game away and, and credit J.R. Brown great break on the ball but you know for, for the offense we had you know a handful of really solid drives really excellent play and and the rest of the day it was like three and out did nothing and and so you know again I, I think your analysis is probably accurate that um, you know there's just the play calling, the selection of 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 how plays are stacked, just seems to be half the time just isn't working very well at all. Um, nonetheless, it, you know we did enough to win that game. Credit the defense for um, you know for what they did, but but really wouldn't have had that win without the performance of Jahan Dotson. And so let's just yeah. take a minute to talk about Jahan Dotson, who had a career day, 11 catches. That's a career high for him. 242 yards receiving. That is a Penn State all-time record. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I mean, so... He scored. he scored all three of our offensive touchdowns. Yeah, he's uh, he's electric. He's he's amazing. He's one of our, the best to ever do it. I think we can certainly be talking about him as potentially one of the best at Penn State all-time. And he has... The ability to climb up some of these national or these, excuse me, uh, Penn State records. Um, so, as of right now, you know, obviously he's tops the single same single game mark as you just said. Um, but and, and by the way, uh, <laughs> some other names on that list: Dion Butler with 216 yards was previously the the top uh, yeah. record holder. OJ McDuffie 212 from 1992. Bobby Ingram 95 with two uh, 1995 with 203. Bobby Ingram with 294. Allen Robinson with 197 and two. 2012, and prior to that, John Dotson had the sixth-ranked uh, all-time single-game record last year against Illinois with 189. So he's 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 the kind of guy you know you can point to and say, hey, this is why you come back for your senior season. You know, he <laughs> True. he he was you know potentially going to be like a you know second-day pick or something like that, maybe a little lower. I don't know. You know, the Big Ten had him as the third-team Big Ten wide receiver uh, on third on, the, on their third team, which by the way was a slap in the face. Um, so, you know, this guy has come back and, and really, you know, some people have already said this is the best receiver in the country. Some people think he's going to be the first receiver off the, uh, off, the, off the board, you know. So we'll, we'll see how that turns up. But, you know, here's some single season marks are he could climb that list where he has, I think, 900. He has 932 yards total right now on 71 catches for, with nine touchdowns. That's eighth nationally in receptions per game, 11th in, in the country in receiving yards, and sixth in TD catches. And as far as Penn State goes, we're talking about uh, you know the some some uh, names he could climb over for in a single season. Right now, he that that would put him at ninth, just above KJ Hamler and Bryant Johnson, who have 904, 917. Um, uh, respectively, but I mean, Allen Robinson sits there at fourteen, or excuse me, one thousand four hundred and thirty-two yards. So, 
you know, he's got four games left. He's going to play in a bowl game. If barring injury, he's going to have four games at, uh, to be able to play um, and get more yards. If he averages 100 yards in each of those games, you know, he's approaching that uh, 1,432 mark. He certainly would end up uh, over number two, Chris Godwin, who has 1,101 yards that was set in 2015. All right? So, and in terms of... Um, in terms of, uh, and you, you gotta you gotta remember also that these stat, stats have an asterisk on them because of last year's right. He was yeah, exactly. Season. He only had nine games last year. Um, so as far as the single season touchdown marks, that's held. That record is held by Bobby Angram. Bobby Angram actually holds the top two seasons uh, in touchdown uh, receptions with thirteen in nineteen ninety three and eleven in nineteen ninety five. So you know he's only four away. He's only four. He's away only from four him. away from. Yeah, I mean. It's. I'm. I'm happy for the guy. It's. It's amazing. He has, but he has 22 career receiving touchdowns. He's tied with Deion Butler for third all time. Right. Right. Um. So you know he has. A, he has a potential to 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 climb that ladder. Who, who's the first? other thing? I don't have that in front of me. Okay. Um. But um. He also now has 10 career 100 yard receiving games. He's tied for second all time. With Allen Robinson, and um, he he moved past Chris Godwin, Deshaun Hamilton, and Joe Juravicious. Who are um, some of the best to ever do it? Obviously, exactly. So again, I'm not sure who's first, and 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 what that number is for career hundred yard receiving games. Um, I'm not. I don't see Bobby Ingram on there, so I'm guessing it's probably him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dotson's making a name for himself. And you know what's funny about Dotson, Andy, is he was not the most celebrated. Um, wide receiver in his wide rec- in his recruiting class, you know, he he was ranked below Zach Kuntz in, in, in as a recruit. Oh wow, <laughs> he, was, he was a four star recruit, but but he was ranked as the thirty sixth wide receiver in the country. He actually decommitted from UCLA, I think, either the day before or the day of early signing day in 2000, um, uh, December of 2017. So he literally almost wasn't a Penn State rec- uh, recruit. He he signed the last minute with, with Franklin. Because I think we w- what happened was um, there was – oh, I, actually, I recall now. There, do you know who John Mechie is? No. You should because he's, he's basically the best wide receiver on the Alabama offense right now. John oh, really? Me- John Mechie decommitted from Penn State. And Dang. and that's what opened. I think either he decommitted or he was like one of Penn State's top targets uh, wide receiver that then committed to Alabama. I'd have to double check if he actually that, did that decommit. Open the door for Dotson. It opened the door for Dotson last minute, wow. essentially. Yeah. Um, and so you know, if you're looking at that recruiting class, uh, the 2018 recru- recruiting class, that was uh, the number six r- uh, ranked class nationally. It was Franklin's best class. It was you know headlined by Micah Parsons, Justin Shorter, Ricky Slade, and guys like Rasheed Walker, Adafe O. PJ Mustafer, uh, Zach Coons, Pat Fryermuth, uh, the name, the list go on. But like you know, he was not one of the more celebrated guys in that class, particularly because he came on late. But he has made an absolute name for himself and and puts himself at the top amongst the, those some of the best in those names. Who, by the way, Micah Parsons is going to be the defensive rookie of the year, if not him, but potentially Adafi Owe, and yeah. Pat Fryermuth is coming on real strong with the Steelers. It's like th- this is. You know he he's he's up there with those guys, and he's certainly gonna gonna get a chance to prove himself in the NFL like these guys have had. 
Yeah, well, in terms of his contributions to the team over his career, you could probably make a case that he has done Better. more for Penn <laughs> yeah. State than those other guys. You're probably right. And he came back for his senior year where these other guys yeah. have left early. And and even in Micah, Micah's case, he opted out last year. Um, and Pat, has, you know, he he unfortunately wasn't able to play his whole season last year when he decided to come back. That's So, yeah, I mean, in terms of production and actually doing it, once he was given the opportunity, he is more – you know, more than proved that he is one of the best ever at Penn State. Not just yeah. at the wide receiver position, but like he's going to be a beloved name for years. Well, and I'll just and I'll just say we're going to need him to continue that trend these next three games. Absolutely, um, I would love for him to 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 crack the top spot on, on a number of these categories. If 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 he has a kind of game uh, that would games that would allow him to do that, it means some good things may have happened for Penn State these you know, games. You know, for as good as KJ Hamler made Sean Clifford look, yeah. Jahan Dotson is making Clifford oh, look yeah. even that much better for cuz yeah. you know, he uh, when Clifford's off the mark, Jahan Dotson's still pulling those balls. We continue in. to to underestimate how you know, how like, well, I guess what I'm saying is that the more Dotson plays, the more it shows how much we underestimated Dotson when KJ Hamler was our number one. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. So, so Dotson's just a, a stud. He's and he's on, blown and last blown guys bit, away. Yeah. Last little bit on Jahan for for now at least, you know, because we're going to talk about him more in the future, and certainly hopefully, uh, if you go online um, and 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 like you know search for like video clips of him from this past uh, post game, you know, Franklin is. Uh, running down the side or the the oh yeah, it's a great field with him and pointing to him as as the after the game is over, going towards the the all the Penn State fans that are in the the end zone kind of a um, bleachers area, and he's saying best receiver in the country, you know, and he's just pointing to him and all that kind of stuff, and it just shows that like Franklin, you know, and and, and by the way. Uh, Dotson is, you know, st- he posted the video and said, best coach in the country, you know, talking about Franklin too. And he's just like, you know, just showing that like Franklin's not just, you know, a, a head coach. He's he's running this program and creating a culture that he's he's involved with. And the, the players really, you know, re- it resonates with them. And, and and you can see that with the way that, da- da- excuse me, Jahan Dotson talks about um, his coach. And and if you he- listen to the way that Clifford, excuse me, listen to the way that Jahan Dotson and is talking about his teammates and 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 the games like he is a, a you know just a, a model Penn State player in all in all phases both on the field and off the field and it's just you know we, we really got to celebrate a guy like this as much as we can while we while we've got him because you know uh, he for as as soft spoken as he's been his most of his career he's taken on that leadership role this year and, and has exemplified that in the uh, in the media and on the sidelines yeah, I agree. Uh, there were some uh, really nice articles written up by him after that career game. Just so happened that he had a ton of family at College Park for the game, and and you know he got pretty emotional talking yeah. to the press yeah. afterward. Um, there's some, you know, I guess his his mom has cancer, um, has been fighting cancer for for a little while now. Um, talked about the sacrifices his parents have made to put him in position to have this kind of career, and and just the gratitude he expressed, and the, you know, it's just. It was really cool to see that um, and to see he's got that character side, that personal side as well, you know, to complement um, the the talent and athleticism we've seen. So agree with you there. Uh, we we got to celebrate this uh, young man while we have the chance. Um, we can't um, finish the story of the game without talking about um, the defensive performance. So it wasn't all great news because they allowed 
uh, Talia Tangavaloa to throw for 371, 371 yards passing, um, including a touchdown, hit 10 different receivers. But we uh, avoided the big play. Longest play of the day that they gave up was 20 yards. And here's the thing. We've, we've been doing... We did what we've been doing all season in, in getting stops, even when they get into the red zone. Maryland was only two of five for scoring in the red zone trip. That was their two touchdowns. The other three uh, red zone trips, uh, they got zero points. Uh, we also held Maryland, by the way, to 48 yards rushing on the day. So really shut down their rushing attack, which is good because we've been susceptible to some pretty significant, um, you know, pounding on the ground. So, so tidied that up, but, but the play of the day, as we have already mentioned was Jair Brown, um, his 87 yard interception return for a touchdown to seal the game. Um, it, it's the fifth longest interception return in Penn state history, by the way. Wow. Um, what was the longest? He's got <laughs> he's got four interceptions. Jair Brown does this season, uh, the most since um, Amani or Ar- 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 and Oruwarie. Yep, I I had it in my head. It just didn't come out in my mouth. <laughs> and, yeah, and by the way, Amani O, as you can just call him that, he at one point this season was leading the. I think he was leading the NFL in, in interceptions. I don't know if that's still the case, but he's yeah. So that's a, a season's not over. That's a pretty significant statistic. Um, yeah, he, he's had a hand in six uh, takeaways this season. Uh, recovered a fumble in the in the third quarter. You might also remember that was him. Was and he also of, led the those... team in tackles, uh, nine total, eight solo. So. He was actually named Defensive Player of the Week in the Big Ten. Um, uh, you know, so so uh, shout out to Jair Brown for his excellent day. Um, That's those Lackawanna yeah. boys, man. Yeah, man. They don't. So, they don't Lackawanna. They 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 wow. they wanna. <laughs> they want the ball. Yeah, they're both both J- J- Jaquan Brisker and him are form a pretty formidable uh, safety. Uh, you know, secondary there. We, yeah. We've been enjoying what, all season. Quite a duo. So you know. At the end of the day, it was a good game in a lot of respects. Um, a win is a win is a win, and so we'll take the win, get back to our winning ways. But, you know, there were some things that just were challenging. The offense in particular fell off, and, you know, the thing that we, you know, we're talking about, bro, is that it's that running game that continues to perplex us as to why it's so bad, and that leads us to our blue and white breakdown. Blue and white breakdown. <laughs> had we had we used that before? Oh yeah, I don't remember hearing that before. It's 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 good. It's uh, and by good I mean yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but but good job, Andy. Good job making those because I certainly did not make them and didn't have the ability to either. So <laughs> way so, to go. <laughs> so we're we're coming off a game, bro. Uh, this is Maryland is one of the worst rushing defenses in the Big Ten, maybe the worst rushing defense in the Big Ten. And we came away with 108 yards rushing, um, one of our lowest totals of the season. And um, it just continues. And, and it seemed to me like we were actually trying to run the ball. And guess what we weren't able to do is run the ball very effectively at all. Um, outside of a couple of Kevon Lee runs that looked half decent. It just was another um, exercise in futility running the ball. So um, first of all, can you just g- give us a-, a rundown of what our current rushing stats are for the season? And then I'd like to put it in context with where Penn State has been. Because you start wondering, has it been this bad for a long time? And I'd like to kind of answer that question first. So 
What have we been doing rushing this season? How's it compared to our last five? Well, real quick, right now, as it stands, we are averaging 107 yards per game, according to the NCAA. Uh, that's, good for, that's good for 117th in the entire country. Oh, man. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really bad. Like, Maryland is actually better than us at it. You know, like, at running, at, yes, at running the ball. <laughs> yeah, and they throw it all the time. You know, they they want to throw it all the time. Like we're still trying to run it, and we're not being able to do it. Um, so so there's that. Um, but so what what's going on here is is well, ba- well can you also just give us sort of what our, our yards per carry are? Do you have that in front of you as well? Uh, oh yeah, I certainly. Well, right now we're we're averaging three point two yards per rush. We have yeah. only a total of uh, nine hundred and sixty three rushing yards in the season so so to equate that to Ugh. um well let, let, real quick you know I, I found this bit here is you know in 2014 we were averaging 101.9 yards rushing per game at 2.9 yards per carry that was the during the john donovan years that was like some of the worst offense we had had in in recent memory but you know some of the other in the, in the last 70 years we're talking about one of the t- like five or six worst rushing offenses in the last 70 years at Penn State um oh you know it's like t- historically t- bad in 2001 which was you know the first year of the 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 well it was the second year of the the four of five losing seasons with Paterno um we were still averaging 119.7 yards per game at 3.4 yards per carry. In 2003, another losing season, 122 yards per game at 3.7 yards per carry. In 1952, which was a bad year for Penn State, but way, way long ago, but one of these bad rushing years on this last 70 years list, 131 rushing yards per game, 2.9 yards per carry. But that doesn't really tell the story of what's going on with Franklin right now so much. So so this is a trend that has been happening basically since Saquon Barkley left. Um, and, and since, um, you know, I, I don't even know what how we can... I don't understand how we can equate these numbers to what's really going on yet, um, but here, here's what's going on. And, you know, 2018, in, in 13 games, um, we were averaging 33.8 points per game, and we our total offense that year was 423 yards per game. But the net rushing uh, yards that season was 2,664, 5.1 yards per carry, 204.9 yards per game, total of 34 rushing touchdowns. Pretty decent rushing attack with Miles yeah, so Sanders this was that the, season. This was the Miles Sanders year. Ricky, Ricky Ronnie's first year. Ricky Ronnie's first year. And so you're saying we we had over 200 yards per game on average, yep. five yards per carry, over five yards per carry that year. Yep, and 34 touchdowns. That's a lot. I mean, to me... Those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember not really loving the Ricky Ronnie offense. <laughs> but, I bet you can, but you can start loving it right now once I continue to tell you what happened in 2019 yeah. over the course of 13 games. Very similar, um, very similar in production. Uh, we were averaging on on total on offense 413 yards per game. Points per game actually went up to 35.8 points per game. The net rushing was a little bit less, 2,478 yards as a team, 4.8 yards per carry, 190.6 yards per game. Still 34 rushing touchdowns. So still looking pretty darn good from a rushing uh, standpoint. The overall points per game went up, and and the overall t- uh, total offense was still about the same. 
obviously in 2000, and that, by the way, also a Ricky Ronnie year. And then we fired Ricky. Well, I guess we didn't fire Ricky Ronnie. He technically left for Old Dominion. Uh, but then in 2020, we bring in Kirk Shiraka. And and interestingly enough, these offensive statistics sound very similar to Ricky Ronnie's from the standpoint of total yards per game and and points per game. But the the rushing really kind of began the the true like like uh oh are we we're experiencing a bit of a drop off here? So so the the four, we're still getting 430 yards per game uh, total offense, 29.8 points per game. Uh, from the team, but the net rushing was 1,569 yards as a team, and no, only that was one, a nine-game season, right? Nine-game nine game season. season, and then and then three, but three point nine yards per game dropped off to one hundred seventy-four point three yards per game, yeah. with only fifteen rushing TDs. And of course, you can be like, oh well, we lost Journey Brown. You know, Noah King got injured on the first game in the first drive of the season so you can be like okay i'll throw this you know unit a bone and and yeah, it, like it was the, some of the explanation for that drop off could be just how challenged we were yeah i mean i think that new it'd be OC. interesting to compare the last four games on the yards per carry true true right you know but uh, which we don't have access to that but not at this moment but, yeah 3.9 yards per carry versus 4.8 yards per carry the year prior that's right that, one yard per carry loss. That's yeah, I mean, pretty. That's pretty significant. Yeah, and we, that's pretty significant. We only had fifteen rushing, fifteen rushing TDs. But you know, you can be like, oh, new OC, new offensive line coach, COVID year. All right, throw him a bone. We'll let it. We'll let it slide. This year, we same. You know, new OC supposed to be Franklin's boy, and like the guy he really wanted. Same offensive line coach who's supposed to have. "Quote unquote," the best offensive line since Franklin's been here, as we always say. Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm so but sick in of in, that. in a same <laughs> same game span of nine games this season compared to nine games last year, um, we have the net rushing nine hundred and fifty eight yards. That's a drop of of like sixty or excuse me six hundred yards. All right, three point two yards per carry, a drop of point seven yards per carry, one hundred and six point four yards per game. That's you're down seventy yards per game. 10, only yeah. 10 rushing touchdowns. We don't have a single rusher over 100 attempts. We don't have a single rusher over 300 yards. We And and we only have one running back uh, averaging over five yards per carry, and that's Kevon Lee. And he's been given l- almost half the attempts, half the carries that Noah Kane is. And yeah. no- Noah Kane is only getting 3.2 yards per carry. Well, Kevon Lee is only, you know, is averaging five point one, and it's like mind boggling. I mean, interestingly enough, that you know, Kevon Lee's five point one yards per carry this season is the same yards per carry average we had in twenty eighteen. That sounded so good. So it's a real right. mystery. I mean, he's he he's not quite doubling the next best rusher in terms of yards per carry, but he's he's head and shoulders above yards per carry, which is which is really. That's really quite fascinating. And uh, by the way, better than he was last year. Yeah, he has a better yards per carry average than last year, but they're just not letting it. This is he has the the body type to be an every down back, and he's even capable of catching out of the backfield too. Which, well, by the way, I, we're not throwing the, out to the backfield out of the backfield so much this year compared to some others. It's just, this is not really. Uh, this is not about a Kevon Lee moment, though. I think like. The, in grand scheme, like what you've charted out for us is every single year since 2018, our rushing stats have gotten progressively lower to the point that this year now they've fallen off of a cliff. Every single statistic has gone has gotten progressively in incrementally. terms of offensive yeah. offensive. I mean, we're talking the yeah. net rushing yards 
less every every single year for the last four years has been less. Our yards per carry every single year has gotten less and less. Our yards per game has gotten less and less and less, and our total touchdowns have gotten less and less. So it's like and uh, and our points per game as well. And then this uh, year, like you said, it, like last year, it was just like all right, uh, we've taken a dip. Uh oh, this year is literally off the cliff, like off the cliff, unless somehow we turn it around, but it certainly doesn't seem like we're capable. Yeah, well, against Michigan and Michigan State, uh, uh, the likelihood that we're going to find a huge uh, change in our in our running game, you know, short of having 400 yards on the ground against Rutgers that that totally throws off all the statistics, uh, you know, it just it just seems like, you know, this this rushing attack is like you've said, it's historically bad, historically bad. And, um, you know, I guess the, the, the next question I, I, I want to ask you, bro, is do you have a sense of what the reason for it is? Because, you know, part, part of what I've wanted to kind of conclude is like, oh, it's just Franklin. Franklin doesn't care about running. Franklin doesn't value the rushing attack. Since Saquon Barkley's gone, we haven't had a good rushing attack. It's really been bad. The truth is that's not really the case. That's not really the case, especially in 2018 and 2019. We had very, very respectable rushing attacks. Even last year, um, our, our rushing game wasn't nearly as bad yo, as this yo, year's rushing this. game was. Get this. In Saquon Barkley's uh, two years at, at running the ball with us in 2016 and 2017, in 2016, the rushing attack averaged 174.9 yards per game for a 4.6 yard per carry average. Yeah, so it wasn't terrific. It was not terrific. I mean, it, it wasn't as good as the Miles Sanders year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the, right, as far as right. the team goes. And then in uh, 2017, uh, let's see here. Give me one second. Uh, the internet doesn't want to work, of course, naturally. Um, but in 2017, we averaged even less with, with Saquon, 170.2 yards uh, per game, uh, with still only a 4.9-yard average per carry. So so Saquon Barkley may have been great, but, he w- but the actual team's rushing attack wasn't as good as it was in 2018. So. Yeah, so if 18 was a high water mark, but no, nonetheless, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, even to a certain extent, 20, we're all sort of in that same zone. And now 21, it's like falling off a cliff. Well, so so, so one thing that I can point to, I think, and in, in, in why these numbers are are kind of beginning to dwindle that much more is it, with, when we had Trace McSorley, he was a big part of our rushing attack. You know, in terms of the team, the team, you know, it, having that element of like truly, hey, this is somebody who who's going to, you know, really. Um, you know, challenge the defense and really have to, you have to dedicate a defender or two to that element of our, our running attack. You know, Clifford, uh, you know, in, he had 402 rushing yards in 2019 uh, for an average of 3.5. Last yeah, year, but our, our average rushing attack in 2019, Clifford's first year, was just as good as it was when Saquon uh, ran. So yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting, I, I don't. I, I, I'm not suggesting it's not, but but in 2019 we certainly spread the ball around a ton more than we did in, in years prior. Um, so sure, sure, we didn't have sure, a bell. Just we didn't have a, we haven't our, had a bell cow since Miles Sanders. So we've really been spreading it out. But but what I'm saying is Trace McSorley, his 2018 season, Trace McSorley, when we had a bell cow on Miles Sanders, Trace McSorley ran for 800 yards. So you're yeah. keeping you're keeping the, that defense. On their heels more, and you're having an extra defender needing to but, worry about that. But that, still, that dude, RPO. I mean, look, Andy, listen, listen. The RPO 
we run the RPO. Do you know what the RPO needs to be, needs to have in order for the RPO to really work great? Is a quarterback who makes the right decision in the RPO, makes the right decision, right read. We have talked a lot about, at least personally, me and you, Clifford not making the right read all the time. And then when he when he holds it, he's not getting he's not really challenging. The only time when Clifford really is is getting yards is in a broke broken play. So I that, know it feels that way, but the statistics suggest that it's not about having a bell cow or not having a bell cow. Because whether we have, you know, one main rusher or several main rushers. Um, the, the rushing yardage 2018 and 2019 were more or less the same, even in 2020, when we struggled to find it, we, we were a lot closer to previous years than we were to this year. So like, uh, you know, that, that, that to me doesn't explain the drop off and it's not Franklin either because Franklin's had teams that have had much better rushing yards. To me, there's, I, I, there's only two logical explanations to this. One is that whatever Yursich is trying to run in his offensive scheme, either Penn State hasn't executed or Yursich doesn't have the you know the, the rushing scheme to get running yards in the Big Ten. So that's one. Number two is that the offensive line, because they've gone three successive seasons with three different running schemes with over three different offensive coordinators are just, they just don't know what they're doing. And I will say against Maryland, it really felt like the offensive line did not know what they were doing here. But to me, those are the two new factors compared to previous years. Here's, here's one thing that I think you can't really discount as being a possibility. You know, you know, much like how a quarterback and the offensive line need to have cohesiveness in order to like understand what their quarterback's doing back there without looking. You know, they're they're not never looking at the quarterback when they're blocking for him. You know, in order they need to understand what the quarterback's tendencies are, so they're not like holding when the when they know the quarterback's trying to like you know move around in the pocket all the time. Uh, equally so with a with with a running back, a bell cow type running back, or even just one that gets the lion's share of the carries. A, a running back feels his his offensive line's tendencies and vice versa. The offensive line feels their running back tendencies. When you go up to Wisconsin and Iowa and all that stuff, and they and even now with Brett Bielema at Illinois, when they have you know dominant offensive line for their rushing attack, those offensive linemen know what they're doing with that particular running back, and that running back knows what that offensive line is doing for them as well. We haven't had any continuity in this running back by committee at all to for the uh, you know any running back to get any kind of rhythm and the the running game you really need to be in a rhythm to really especially to me when you have a grinder like when Noah Kane is healthy or Kevon Lee right now these are grinding running backs that you need to get going they're not like put them in for spot duty and then you know let them get rested for their next series in the next quarter like it's just it doesn't make any sense when you, to 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 operate this way when none of the statistics are 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 you know making sense for how you're running this committee it's just blowing my mind and and I, I'm getting sick of it <laughs> I I mean I, I I get I get the I get the annoyance with the committee and clearly Kevon Lee has the the best numbers by far. I don't know why they're not running him as the number 1. Um but nonetheless last year 
And in 2019, we had a committee approach, who, and the numbers were dramatically better. I, all I'm saying is the committee is not the reason. And and by the way, same backs in the rotation this year as last year. So, you know, I, I that that. Well, it feels like it's a problem because we just want someone that we can count on. Nonetheless, well, I don't it doesn't. With, I don't it, agree with what you just said with the same backs in because they're barely running Devin Ford and Kaziah Holmes has barely played and John Lovett is now I, in I'm there. Just and saying, Noah Kane didn't play last year, so I'm just saying that. same backs on the on the roster. You know, Noah Kane played two years ago, so uh, you know. Nonetheless, you know, it's not. I don't think we can blame the committee as the reason for the run game problems. And maybe it's a contributing factor, you know, but. It, it just, you know, the only two significant differences are the fact that we've got Yursich as the OC, who, by the way, at Oklahoma State had some incredibly uh, productive running backs. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with that. And then, you know, maybe it's again, just growing just, pains. I don't know. Maybe. I sure hope so. But it's, boy, oh, boy. I mean, it, it is, it, it is really, really frustrating and as frustrating as we felt the last few years I've, I'm really grown a lot ha, grown to have a lot more respect for the rushing attack of the previous seasons um, even, based yeah, on just, Ricky Ronnie it's like do, I almost, like yeah, what, yeah seems, Ricky Ronnie like seems like a genius right now at least when it comes see, to the those offenses game. he had if we if if we had had Ricky Ronnie's uh, offensive production his two seasons with our defense that we have now I mean even well, with Kirk, shoot, even with Kirk Sharaka, think of it this way, Andy. Yeah. If we had Kirk Sharaka's offense minus all the turnovers, you know, in terms, of, if we had Kirk Sharaka's rushing production with this year's passing production, we might be a one-loss team at worst right now. Well, and and with the defense, I think if we That's had this saying. year's defense last year, we win a couple of those games that we lost. I mean, again, minus the turnovers. <laughs> Well, the even tur- with the, the turnovers, turnovers. Now, the turnovers were the reason we we lost most of those games because because with with those level well, of turn with those level let, of turnovers, we put a good defense at an extreme disadvantage. We let Indiana score how many points in regulation against us? You know what I mean? Like you know, we I mean, shut we were them out. Micah Parsons, you know, and and some other. I'm just a, saying a couple of other players. I'm just saying if we take this year's defense last year, you know, we we had. Better points per game last year than we have this year, so you know that it, it makes me it makes me that much more um, you know impressed with this year's defense that we're winning the games we are. A lot of it has to do with our you know our defense covering up the fact that we have such an abysmal run game. So yeah, hey, look, um, that was a great blue and white Rant break over. Bro. Oh man, <laughs> rant so, over. So um, now we're going to, uh, and we're, boy, we're running long with this show. Um, we haven't even gotten to Michigan and we've got a mailbag to get to as well. So we're going to do the mailbag and then we're going to turn uh, to the home stretch. So before we get into the Michigan game, look ahead. Here is your mailbag. Mailbag time. All right, we got uh, two entries today. Uh, first coming from Joel Bettner in his usual true and false format. Um, here it is. True or false, you would like to see Lee get 75% of the rushing opportunities for the rest of the season. True I, or false? I'm very glad you asked this, Joel, because, because <laughs> I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it for my sanity. It, it, just to prove, like, I just need to know, like, it, can he do it? Yeah, yes. Yes, I would. I would personally like to see Kevon Lee get seventy-five percent 
of the rushing opportunities for the rest of the season. I feel like it should be him, uh, you know, for like the first quarter. Like, leave him in for the first quarter. I hate this swapping, like, series. And it's almost like, hey, dude, you know, when they talked about, like, we're going to go with a hot hand in some of these uh, prior weeks. It does not seem that way at all because when Kevon Lee had the hot hand, they pulled him. Yeah, they did. And by the way, John Lovett got the start at Maryland. That was his first start of his Penn State career, and he promptly um, lost 11 yards in the first two series for us. What um, what, what, what decision? <laughs> like, where do they come up with that? Like, no offense to John Lovett. I would, I would love for John Lovett to be the man if he could be, but he 48 attempts this season rushing the ball. He has 160 yards, no touchdowns for a 3.3-yard per carry average. Yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, Kevon Lee with 5.1 yards per carry on the season is head and shoulders above all the other backs. He really ought to get the majority of the I carries. I want to see 20 carries. He, he ought can, to get the majority of the have carries. He 20 carries. I'd like to see that. Unless he proves that he can't handle it. Now, there so, was one game where he fumbled the ball, and I think that they, they put him in. I That set him back for sure. That was but, that was earlier in the season, though. You know, like yeah. that happened earlier in the season. Like it's he, he, we're not, we can't do that. Like you can't like pull the guy like that when he's the the more productive dude right now. Um, we have we have three games left in the regular season, and he, like we got Michigan. We got to hold the ball against Michigan. We got to win the time of possession against Michigan, and we need to do that with a guy that can churn five yards per carry against a defense like Michigan. So I need to see Kevon Lee with 75% or 20 carries or some, something like that. Uh, Joel similarly uh, says true, although his numbers are not good, which I think I would like to say his totals are not good, but his average is not is very good. But Joel says he, he's been the best running back we've had this season and would love to see him get into a rhythm. So we're all agreed. Yeah. Um, so that's Joel. And then um, we've got an entry from Scott Hagerman. Scott, thanks for uh, writing. He says, um, hey, Andy and Tom, um, here's my two-part question for you guys. Uh, do you think the Buckeyes will lose another game before the end of the season? And if they lose, will they still make the playoffs? I think it's absolutely possible they could lose uh, another game. The way that they're playing, the way they played against Nebraska yesterday, or excuse me, on Saturday, um, it certainly seems that they are ripe for for losing another game. I I, I can totally see them winning out, um, but you know, with with games against um, who do they got? So Michigan State and Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, those they have them back to back, don't they? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, no, it sounds do. like they it must because, be. Well, yeah, got three games Purdue, this Purdue week. Michigan State, then Michigan. So this is going to be a heck of a run. Um, you know, Purdue being the giant slayer, uh, dragon slayer, whatever you call them, um, and and Michigan State, certainly they'll look to not lose another game this season because they, they, they're going to stake their claim to the, the, the Big Ten East division crown. And Michigan, they're only, they've only lost one game, too, against uh, Michigan State. So they're everybody that, that, that Ohio State has in their schedule is going to be gunning for them and I think have the ability to do it it's just a matter of which ohio state team is going to show up you know um and and if and will their defense be able to stand tall so you know i would have loved to have been one of the teams that gave gave them their i would have loved to have been the team that gave ohio state their second loss but i so i'm just going to say yes ohio state will drop another and no i do not believe ohio state will make the playoff with a second loss i just i think they would take a, an undefeated cincinnati over a two loss big 10 champion 
I yeah, would, I, I would. I, I would give Cincinnati that the, and that would be great if Cincinnati got in over Ohio State. Uh, yeah, uh, Ohio team beats Ohio. You know, <laughs> that would be beats awesome, them to the actually. playoff. You know, what a great, great story. It would be cool, um, especially Luke Fickle being their prior head coach. Oh, and yeah. they been, Luke Fickle was a player at Ohio State, and Luke Fickle was an assistant there forever, and and in, through multiple coaching uh, head coaches. You know, I think he was there under Tressel and under Urban Meyer. Yeah, that that would be a fascinating story. I, oh, yeah. I I want that to happen just for that specific scenario to take. You place. know, I, I I'm not. This is not part of the question here. I'll, uh, I'm sorry. I'll let you 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 answer what you uh, how you feel about that before I. Well, no, I I, I think I I, I agree with you. If they lose a second uh, game, they they wouldn't make the playoffs, assuming that you have other one-loss teams out there or an undefeated Cincinnati, for example. Um, Notre Dame, for example, is only a one-loss team at this point. So, right, yeah. You, you, who lost to Cincinnati, by the way? You know, Ohio State won't be ranked high enough after a second loss, especially I, against I, Purdue. I agree. Um, I, I'm not sure about do I think they'll lose another game. I, you know, I think, honestly, if they win out, they're deserving of getting in. It's, the Big Ten is good enough that that, that you know, one loss Ohio State team probably should get in, but it, I think it's very possible that they lose at least one more, if not a few more. And that gets me into, by the way, uh, there was an article that came out um, this week where somebody, I, I don't have it in front of me, but basically postulated that it's still mathematically possible for Penn State to get into the Big Ten championship yeah. game. If Penn State, If Penn State wins out and... Um, Ohio State loses the next three games, and then uh, Michigan and Michigan State each lose two of their next three games, including the game to, to Penn State. Then um, Penn State, through a series of tiebreakers, would um, end up actually getting into the Big Ten championship game over all those other teams. <laughs> you know, you brought this up to me. You sent the article, and I was just like, well, I just was like, absolutely not. Like, this I mean, it's worth, ridiculous. This, this isn't the even worth that it talking happens. about. Like, this is, it's like, true. we have to, first of all, we got to win our games. You know, there's there's that aspect of it, you know, and, and I'm not super confident in us being able to win out. I, I think it's I think our the best if the best Penn State team shows up every week, the best version of us shows up every week, I think we can. However, I'm not sure that's possible because you know, like you said, this whole this Big Ten is Jekyll and Hyde, this the the NCAA is Jekyll and Hyde, Penn State is Jekyll and Hyde, Clifford is Jekyll and Hyde. But yeah, the totally. only but that's also part of the reason why I've thought about it a little bit and I'm like, if there was ever a year for these outlandish possibilities to be even slightly more, like, you know, reasonably possible, this would be the year with all this, you know, all these top 10, top 5, top 15 upsets, all these unranked teams. Like, this is just a weird, chaotic year where you can't bet on any of these teams doing what you think they, they're going to do, you know? And it's maybe it is possible. Maybe, you know, if nothing else, you know, I think that you know, I don't see us going to the Big Ten championship game if we went out. That that that's that's a little outlandish. How, however, if if Ohio, there's another article that came out that was like, hey, if Ohio State goes twelve and one, wins out, whatever, you know, that leaves the Rose Bowl up for grabs to whoever oh, else in the Big Ten. You know, oh. and if, and if the Big Ten West starts floundering a little bit more, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
maybe <laughs> like our maybe our top you know if we can beat Michigan and beat Michigan State as two you know top ten teams maybe the Rose Bowl will give us yeah because a couple of years ago wasn't it a three loss USC team that made it to the Rose right, Bowl right? right and played Penn State well, they also won their conference I believe true no wait wait. No, no, no! It was because Wa- no, they were the second best because Washington. Oh, right, because Washington got into the stupid. So there it is, a three-loss second-place <laughs> team. Totally, totally. You know, in the Pac-12, got to the Rose Bowl. Well, um, so by the way, that that article was in Victory Bell Rings by Evan Smith. Um, that's a suspect name. It sounds like a a bot writing this article. But no, well, just by, kidding. By the way, by the way, you know, again, the the, <laughs> the here, it's outlandish. Here, here, Okay, real, go ahead, real go quick, ahead, go ahead. here's the Achilles heel of the whole okay. thing is that it relies on Maryland to beat both Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah. They, like So I just don't see that happening. Well, but, yeah. I mean, that, that's why. But it also that's relies Ro- on us winning out, by the that's way. That's why the Rose Bowl, uh, at least we control maybe a little bit more of our destiny to get to the Rose yeah, Bowl than yeah, we do totally. getting to the back Big 12 or Big 10 championship. But so so when people, uh, you know, after the Illinois game were like, this season is completely lost. It's like this big, True. this Penn State team has something to play for still. You know, be- beating two top 10 teams. To close out the season is n- is n- no small you know victory. That's those are those are things you can hang your hat on at the end of the season, especially when you got you know uh, Jahan Dotson playing lights out the way he is. The the the, the defense having an uh, all all timer caliber type season when they were by, by the way not necessarily expected to be that good. I mean I think they're expected to be pretty decent, but I don't think there anybody thought they'd be this good. Um, so I, you know, there's there's a lot to play for still, and these guys, you know, you know, don't you dare give up on your your Nittany Lions after that Illinois loss, um, and and after that Ohio State loss, and and after kind of a lackluster Maryland game. There's no need to give up on your boys like this. Because they're they're certainly not giving up on on this season and on this team, and neither is Franklin, and neither is Clifford. These guys are still fighting pretty hard, and Jahan Dotson's proven it with the greatest single game rece- receiving record uh, in Penn State history happening on Saturday. So yeah, there's still a lot of good football ahead, and you know, depending how the chips fall, still some interesting things to play for. Um, not the least of which is the potential for a major postseason bowl or even outside chance big 10 championship game i don't uh, think it'll happen but <laughs> you know if you go to vegas and put a thousand dollars on penn state <laughs> getting just getting to the big 12 championship game i want would love to know what that pays out right now oh my gosh that'd be hilarious you probably well, end up winning like a quarter of a million dollars speaking of also uh, lose a thousand. <laughs> what lies ahead um and we're gonna we're gonna bring it to that home stretch close the mailbag uh thanks scott and joel for writing in um and we're gonna talk about this michigan game um we won't don't get to spend as much time talking about it as we might otherwise. Because we ran of, long. Uh, we've gone long, you know, and um, that's okay. Uh, Michigan, who is coming in, I don't know what they're going to be ranked this week. Um, this past week, I believe they were number seven in the country. Um, it's a noon game on ABC, uh, going to be played at Beaver Stadium. It's a home game. Uh, special theme for this game, uh, something I don't think we've done before at Penn State. It's going to be a helmet stripe game which means there's going to be a, a blue stripe down the middle of the stadium with uh, white all around. So it should be an interesting look, but um, going to be a big game, even though it's a noon game. Hopefully all the fans will come out and, uh, and cheer us on what should be a 
quite possibly one of our toughest games of the season, if not the toughest game of the season against a very good Michigan team. Yeah. Um, so let's just move forward with some uh, some Michigan stuff here. Uh, I'm I'm I. I gathered a ton of statistics for this. Uh, we're not going to get through all of them, but essentially what, what we got here is um, the the second-ranked Big Ten scoring offense in Michigan is going up against the second-ranked scoring defense. Sorry, it, the Big Ten, by the way. These are Big Ten rankings I'm giving you. Um, so, you know, they're averaging 30.8 points per game on offense, and we're allowing 16.7 points per game on defense. So and it's the third-ranked total defense in, in the conference, uh, um, and we're Actually, the ninth-ranked total defense in the in the in the in the or in, I'm sorry in the conference. So we're giving up 369 yards per game, and they're getting 419 yards per game. Um, so uh, Michigan is actually tied with OSU as the least sacked team in the Big Ten, with only five sacks given up on the whole year. Meanwhile, wow. PSU um, has been sacked 14 times, rank, uh, ranking ninth in the Big Ten. Um, so you know that, that's an interesting little angle there. For how how we play a, t- a team like this, luckily we're going to be in our house for this game, which is very helpful for our offensive line compared to their defense or their offensive line. And if you recall, the last time Michigan came here, we they had two false starts in the whiteout back to back to open the game up. Oh yeah, won't be seeing that probably this game, unfortunately. Um, but uh, so their rushing offense is is one of the better ones in the Big Ten, ranked fifth with 176 yards per game. Um, and it's and stunningly enough, our our rush defense is ranked ninth in the conference giving up 154 per game now uh, they also don't have as much of a potent uh, uh Offense uh, from a passing perspective, they're they're averaging 243 yards per game to uh, Penn State's eighth-ranked passing defense at 214 uh, yards per game given up. So th- those numbers got a little inflated when when the Wolverines um, uh, went against uh, who was it a couple a couple weeks ago? The, what's his name threw for 380 yards? Uh, their quarterback threw for 380 yards, uh, Cade McNamara, um, but it was against one of one. Of the, I can't remember who they're who that was against. Oh, oh no, it was it was um, against Michigan State. Michigan State has the uh, the dead last um, passing defense in the conference, and Cade McNamara um, exploited that for 383 yards, but they ended up losing the game. So really, really, this team is kind of focused around their t- double headed monster uh, at running at running back in Hassan Haskins and uh, their other running back um, Blake Corum. They are literally they're not quite. Thug- and Lenny, they're kind of both kind of smaller guys in the 200 pound range, but but they they both are you know almost at a thousand yards each, and as a team they are rushing they're 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 running the ball you know at like six yards per carry roughly oh, um, you know and 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 just their their top two running backs you know basically equate to d- double or triple what our top three running backs are doing you know so i, I mean so it, it just strikes me that like michigan's offense has got is they're very efficient they're very balanced they can they can run the ball effectively which we've shown some vulnerability to on defense um it sounds like you know with their passing they protect their quarterback um yeah. you know it it, it it feels like you know it's going to be really hard to stop this team, except for like one fact about Penn State that has held us all year long. And the question is, can we 
continue with it, which is our red zone defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, remains to be seen if 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 we can keep that up, but we're going to need to. Um, you know, it's it seems like we'll be able to. It's just this is this is certainly going to be one of the harder tests for us to. You know, we kind of knew we'd lose the Ohio State game. This is the kind of game where where our backs are up against the wall that really, you know, like if we slip. In this game, slip past Michigan, and and you know let that let this game slip between our fingers. We're really talking about a different kind of season than if yeah. we you know if we win because we, we can win. salvage Absolutely. some pride here and, and salvage what what really will end up being. I mean, you know, Michigan, what they're that's definitely a top ten team. Whether they're going to be ranked sixth or fifth yeah. or or whatever, you know, it's going to they're going to be a top ten team. Coming into Beaver Stadium, yeah, uh, you know. But here, here's the thing: Penn State's red zone defense is tops in the country. Yeah, we we only when teams get into the red zone, we only allow them to score sixty percent of the time. That's field goals and touchdowns. Yeah, all right. We've only given up six red zone touchdowns all year out of twenty five attempts. So, like. You know, Dude, all only, those... Wisconsin, only Wisconsin has given up fewer touchdowns than us, and uh, with five, and and their red zone is actually allowing a twelfth ranked in the conference, eighty-eight point nine conversion rate. That's that's third la- to last in the conference. So not only are we giving up like fewer touchdowns than most people, but we have by far in a way the best red zone defense. So it's like we are, we're not just like a, and it's not an anomaly here. Like we're showing it across the board with not just um the percentage but also the what we're allowing in, in touchdowns as well. Yeah, so guess guess what team has a second best red zone offense in the Big 10? Yeah, we're talking about Michigan. That would here. be Michigan, right? Yeah. So it's going to be that to me is going to be the the more significant battle than even yeah, you know, their, shutting them it's down. It's their offense versus our defense. For well, sure. not only that, but it's the red zone offense yeah. versus red yeah. zone defense. And like you know, again, Ohio State out of their um, six trips to the red zone, they got one touchdown and four field goals. Yeah. And if we can. Hold Michigan to a similar sort of day. It's it's going to be again similar to the Ohio State game. It's going to be putting us in a position to win. Whether our offense can do that against their defense, I guess that remains to be seen. So why don't you tell us about their defense, bro? Yeah, well, help us figure out. They got a bunch of they got a bunch of good players there. Um, They got their their linebacker John Ross with sixty one total tackles on the year, Um, and and they've got a maybe one of the best defensive ends in the country um, with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, He's he's got thirty five tackles on the year, but he's got six uh, six sacks, and he's it's just he's. (laughs) <laughs> our tackles are going to have a tough time with him. We really need to be – if we're going to be throwing the ball a lot to win this game, which we are, we're going to need to throw the, throw the ball a lot to win this game. Um, we're going to need to focus on du- double-teaming that guy or neutralizing him with quick atta- quick passing attack or, or throwing you know screens to his side of the field or away from him. Whatever it is, we, we're going to have to neutralize that guy. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long day for Clifford. And one thing we cannot afford to do – is lose Clifford in a game like this, and that's the kind of defensive True. end. That's the kind of defensive end that can can you know dr- drive a guy to the ground and knock him out of the game. And he's probably going to be coached to do it as well. I mean, if, if J- John Harbaugh um, isn't telling him to do that, he's probably not doing his job. I think you <laughs> but, mean Jim Harbaugh, but yeah, Jim. Sorry, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, anyways, the, the, their their defense is the sixth ranked scoring defense um, in the Big Ten. There's a lot of good uh, scoring defenses in the Big Ten. They're only allowing 18.3 points per game. Against our wow. 
eighth ranked in the conference scoring offense, averaging only 22.2 points per game. Mind you, these mm. are these are mm. Big Ten statistics. Yeah. So when I'm they're giving you national. statistics, they're, yeah. well, they're not national, but they're also not outside of the Big Ten games either. Oh, okay. Strictly Big Ten games statistics that I'm giving you. Teams that I, have I, played each I, other within the Big Ten. Correct. So I, yeah. I just wanted to, to, to make sure people are aware of that because uh, if you're if you're factoring in all of those other three non-conference games. Well, here's, you know, the, here's the other thing about their defense is that they they've got a, an extremely good passing defense. Yeah. Um, you know, well, and so, total defense. Well, true, of course, but like I mean our, as we've just talked about our rushing offense is nothing to speak of. It's really you know, it's really going to be how yeah. good is our passing offense. Well, guess what? Yeah. They've got the second ranked passing defense in the conference. They've only allowed teams uh, to score 171, uh, excuse me, to to gain 171 yards per game. Yep. in the air against them. And, and so if we have a long day in the passing game, it's going to be a long day overall. Now, for what it's worth, you know, as far as who they've played so far, you know, they just they just played Indiana, who we yep. also have played, and they played Indiana very similarly in, in the terms of, you know, they, haven't, they didn't allow Indiana to score a lot. But Indiana was without their best top two quarterbacks, so they weren't going to be throwing the ball all over Michigan anyways. And then they played Michigan State, Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Rutgers. And guess what? Interesting. None of those teams pass a lot or pass mm, very, very well. Very good point. So that second-ranked uh, passing defense, maybe they haven't played a very good passing or passing offense yet. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, right, because we haven't seen how they stack up against, say, uh, Ohio State, who's or got Maryland. a really strong passing attack. Or, right? you know, they, they, they haven't played Maryland either, so they haven't played three of the best passing offenses in the, the Big Ten. So yeah, we'll yeah, really yeah. see if, if, they've, if they've got it going. They, you know, they didn't play Purdue either. Who is you know the, So they haven't played the top four passing offenses in, in the Big Ten. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's a little misleading. Their second ranked passing defense, um, wh- whereas you know we have the fourth ranked passing offense, throwing for two fifty two point five yards per game. So, you know, I, I, there is a there is a sliver of hope there with with how how you know I think there's I think we're gonna get a couple of deep ones on these guys. I really do. I don't think their secondary is as much to write home. In fact, I would put our passing uh, secondary up against their passing secondary any day. Quite, mm, to be perfectly honest with you, I think three of the four of the guys that we roll with back there um, are are better than three of the four of their top, their best ones over there. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting. And and again, I think uh, you know if our passing defense can put a lid on what they've been able to do through the air, and it really becomes how does their rushing offense do against our defense? That would be an interesting matchup to see who wins that battle. And then, of course, as we just talked about on the other side, how does our passing attack uh, go up against their passing yeah. defense? And if we can – I mean, it's interesting. is if, if, if we can show that their you know, secondary can be exploited – yeah. And their passing defense can be an ex- it can be exploited. It's possible if Michigan hasn't been tested that maybe this turns into a little bit of a runaway. Potentially, is that too much? To th- I'm I'm thinking too far outside the box. Yeah, aren't I? maybe. So so a couple of <laughs> couple of last little tidbits I'll give you about Michigan is they have the third ranked red zone defense. So they're they're only allowing 75 percent conversion against and against Penn State, which has the fifth ranked red zone offense. Um, and Michigan has only given up seven TDs, but on Yikes. only 12 red zone attempts. So Ooh, they're keeping teams out of the red zone. Yeah, or they're letting teams score from outside of the red zone. But right, in any right. case, Ooh, interesting. Penn State is real quick here. Penn State is the second most penalized team in the Big Ten with 43 penalties for 366 yards. And Penn State is second to last in the Big Ten in time of possession with an average of only 25 
uh, and four, 25 minutes and four seconds per game. Michigan is ranked fourth in the Big Ten in time possession with 33-52 per game. So, you know, I, what we got here is a lot of things that I think work for Penn State and a lot of things that work for Michigan. And, and I, it, to me, it feels a little, a little dead even. Uh, down, down the down the line here with with well, it's interesting because that's how um, that's how Vegas is rating it. I think they're, exactly, ex- I th- exactly. You know, so it, it's it's a, it'll be a fascinating matchup. And We're I think favored lot- in Vegas by a point. Yeah, which is good, strange. You know, goes to home field advantage, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and meanwhile, FPI is giving Michigan a fifty-five percent chance to win. Yeah, FPI also has Penn State ranked thirteenth in the country. So I mean, I, I don't FPI trust that is FPI all sorts all. of weird, right? But but it's just one kind of sense of looking at the data to see, yeah. you know, what what's the likelihood, and you know, so there are a couple of sort of outside. Um, tools that that would say this is this game may be a bit of a toss-up more so than than any other that we've played so far this year except for maybe the Iowa game so you know we've got something to play for as we've been talking about first of all knocking off a top 10 uh opponent that that's something to play for we haven't done that yet this year even though we've had a couple of opportunities and then I would say secondly um uh, postseason pride and you, you know an outside chance to make a run uh, to be in the national conversation again, um, you know, maybe not for the championship, but, but at least within the big 10 um, there's a lot to play for outside of just, um, you know, feeling good about getting a win. I would love to see us, you know, Dude, this come is out Michigan. and have a great game. This it's Michigan. Michigan. It's, it's Michigan. Michigan. We got to beat I lived guys. through. <laughs> I lived through the nineties and two thousands where you know I wasn't going to school when we could not buy a win against Michigan like yeah. for a decade it felt like we were oh, just yeah. we, they won like eight in a row against us dominated they won eight and, in a row um, or something like that against us it was brutal. so so yeah I I have really I have really bad feelings about Michigan in general <laughs> you know and so I yeah I I feel I would feel great about stealing a win from Michigan and um and and com- coming away with uh you know something to hang our hat on from this difficult season Penn State is going to win 28 to 27. Whoa, dude. And I'm going to have a heart attack while that happens. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I'm saying. I'm calling 28 27. I'm going 35 to 28. I don't know why I would say 35 28. We get the win because it's been a while since we've scored over 30 points, but I'm going 35 to 28. Uh, yeah. Well, by the way, I, I think I won last, last week, didn't I? I, yeah, you I, totally won. I, you I almost nailed the score. I said 35-14, right? And you said 42-17? to 17? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it, man. All right. So I'm feeling 28-27. Penn State's going to win. I don't know if it's going to be like a last, you know, like minute touchdown or or what. I, I, I don't know. I hope it's not. I will die. I will literally have a heart attack and die if it's a if we went in like a last minute or last second kind of play, but you know it's going to come down to the end. It really will. Um, it would be awesome if you know what would be amazing is if we get the, a, a walk off pick six. <laughs> oh man! Or I'm not I sure mean, we. I don't think that's possible. I, I do think. I, I do think our defense is going to be is going to be critical. Um, uh, in some ways, I, I really hope we don't let them score 27, 28 points. But I, I think it's likely that that they're going to get their scores. I just hope our offense gets. I, I hope our passing attack with Jahan Dotson is going to it's going to have the edge for the game. Um, I, one way or another, our defense is going to have a critical. Uh, play, but um, I think it's Jahan Dotson, Sean Clifford uh, that's going to get it done. And um, yeah, one touchdown win 
at home against Michigan. Well, well, that's what we've got for you today, guys. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Again, uh, bro, happy Veterans Day this Thursday. I uh, hope you know we're uh, thinking of you and, and grateful for your service. Uh, grateful to all of you um, who are listening, who are either currently serving, who have served, who have family members who have served. Um, appreciate you. Um, want to remind you to let us know what you think of the show. Um, you can put a rating or a review in your, uh, in your podcast app of choice. And then, um, you know, go ahead, send us a mailbag, blue and white brothers at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you. Um, but bro, I guess we'll find out what happens this coming week. I'm excited. Till then, it. till then, man, it starts with, I love you. And it ends with, I love you. I love you, bro. We are. Love you too, bro. We are Penn State. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 